to me. Live from Fitzgerald's in St. Paul, we are the Daves you know. This is the Daves I know. So I got this kid mowing my lawn now because I don't have time to mow yeah. my lawn anymore. And uh, he keeps forgetting to get his money. <laughs> like, so I know he's like a kid and he's got to learn. You know, there's a lot of things you need to learn about like having how, a job. How old is this kid? I have no idea. I've never seen him before. <laughs> like, I just do you leave the money like out somewhere for yeah, him? Yeah, we or? leave the money out and then he just keeps getting to take it. Like, there's a lot of business to learn about, but that's one of the key business to, get uh, paid. Th- to take the money. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not gonna beg him. Well, I'd I'd uh, talk you into this Patreon bullshit that we're doing. You never so. did. You you fucking started <laughs> it when it, yeah. I was out of town. <laughs> you kept trying to. Oh, you should totally do it. And then I just never said anything. And then you fucking started it while I was gone. See, that's how that's that's business, my that's, friend. That's business. Yeah. No, you're doing business, man. You should be having my job. Uh, uh you were in Iceland for uh, yeah. uh countless days. So speaking of like, we we desperately need a like a 13 year old kid to come pull the weeds out of our fucking lawn. Like apparently every single flower in our front yard garden so our we don't have a lawn it's in not front a yard. flower it's but it's just weeds everywhere yeah. and i walked we walked up to it yesterday when we got back from colorado i was like holy fuck i need to i need to i need a garden <laughs> so it's time consuming it's, you get this house and you get kids and shit and all of a sudden like your life just gets so yeah dense and well no and then kids all yet, of a sudden but you're, like, then you're like oh i guess 100 percent of my fucking effort needs to go yeah. and pulling little tiny plants that are slightly different than the plants they're next to out of there that i don't want yeah, yeah. that's 10 hours on the weekend and the problem and is like, we have this now. we have this gigantic we have this gigantic thing that has got a shit ton of perennials in it so like stuff is sprouting up yeah. throughout the entire year it's like i don't want to pull something that might actually be something that's going to be a sprouting thing, in, yeah. in the fall yeah so I'm, i don't so know so now you got to know your plants and yeah stuff and it's not going to be it's not going to be good i've that wasn't and, what you were pretending to be is, in the backyard when you yeah were the problem kid? is i was going to do it this weekend but like literally every every fucking day this week I got something going on. The match on Friday. Um, the wife and I are going to the Kesha concert on Saturday <laughs> night. Um, oh, life is so hard. Yeah, I know. Why? It's, it's the worst. Kesha. Volunteering all day with the Dark Clouds at it's the World Street Fair. So just, yeah, like I don't have time to fucking weed, but I have to literally make time in my life to weed. Oh, so two, two thoughts. First of all, um, it's always fun for me to watch our lives converge more closely and those shared experience uh, places. The second thing, you were able to make time for weed here this past weekend. I was definitely able to make time for weed this weekend. So. Excellent. And you knew yeah. you knew the weed that you were about. Yes. You did not need a book to identify. Uh, no, I did not need a book to identify, although there are some really great apps to identify weed strains. Is there? And, uh, and I'm not you, surprised by that. Yeah, no, no. It's, they're, they're great. It's like a... It's like a thrifty hipster for apps it tells you what the like where the best deals are to near where you are um what the hours are open like they literally keep their supply like what they have uh in the uh in the shop like updated updated on this app so right. you be like oh i want this uh, these tropical twist gummies uh that you know these uh, indica gummies i know exactly where i want to go to get them and so what is the name of the app uh, weed maps, weed maps, or oh, okay, Leaf- so Leafly is the other one. I will come up with a better name for them right now. How about? Uh, well, we'll come back to it later in the podcast. But I will, I will by the end of this podcast, I will have a better name for better it. Better okay? name for the uh, thrifty hipster of weed. Yes, 
All right. Hold me to it, listeners. Cool. Okay. Yep. So we, we talk about that because we want to start off happy because uh, we're going to go sad fast. But yeah. before we get there, uh, we'll make a pitch at something that you've alluded to already. Um, if you like the content you hear each week, if you think you've learned a little bit more about United or just about soccer in general, if you want to continue to enjoy uh, what we hope is a high quality of content and audio we're trying to develop, uh, develop on each podcast, consider supporting our Patreon. Even $1 a month helps. Try to make all of your contributions uh, uh, with 69 cents in the uh, decimal places. Yep. Um, any money helps, though, and all funds go toward replacing and updating equipment and paying our SoundCloud and website fees. So yeah. visit uh, patreon.com slash the Daves I know to help support the Daves you know. Yeah, Thank it's you. great. It's only that it comes out of your uh, comes out of your card or bank account once a month. So actually it's the first of the month. So if you uh, sign up this week before the end of the month, uh, your first, first uh, payment will be on July 1st and again that helps us uh, cover all the uh, all the costs that we need to do so uh, excellent yeah let's let's talk about some the more, other shit. the more you give us the more we get to talk about things like what we're about to talk about yep. playing against Colorado and remember our uh, our our offer still stands if someone pays us 69.69 for at least 4 months we'll just stop this we'll thing we'll stop the podcast we'll stop it yep. in 4 months from that once yeah. we get the fourth 69.69 we can be bought out yes. and it is a very low price we, at which we, we can be bought we will, out we will stop this fucking podcast yeah. in a heartbeat so so tell me uh, same, same as we always do and I'm going to pitch it to you first because you were there on site we had a Dave on site with expert reportage I did yes what I, was your best moment of the game sure. against Colorado um, well the best moment of the game was probably the uh, honestly the tailgate <laughs> we're getting high beforehand because it was a there was a there was a game that was there were some really great moments and then some really crappy moments um, I mean, for me, the first goal was probably the best moment of the game, just because, if nothing else, I mean, that was a great ball by Schuler uh, to Quintero. Um, Quintero somehow slips it by Tim Howard, but but for you know, Miguel Ibarra making those runs that he's made all fucking yeah. year, finishing the play, yeah. um, the Colorado defender probably clears that off the line, and Minnesota definitely should have had a, a goal before that match, uh, before that uh, first goal. But Ibarra um, just uh, you know running as hard as he possibly could to finish the play, yep. uh, slotting it you know home from you know the Clint Dempsey esque mm-hmm. uh, you know three yards out, and <laughs> and we'll definitely get to Clint Dempsey again later uh, on talking about Miguel Ibarra. Oh, I can't wait. Um, but yeah, that was for me the best the best moment of the game. You know, mostly because we we played really well in that first half. We took it to I mean, maybe the best moment of the game was having that one nothing lead at halftime, thinking feeling fairly confident that we were gonna we held on to leads. We were gonna run. Well we were gonna year. run. We were gonna run Colorado yeah. uh, for the entirety of the game. So. Yeah. Compared to what happened after that, uh, that first goal was probably the best moment of the yeah, game for we, me. You know, so. we were the we were the better team on balance for li- um, the first half for sure. Yeah, you certainly in the first half, and then um, you know it's a team that you expect to be able to maintain that against. And also, like we've maintained leads pretty well this year when we've had them. We haven't had them often enough, but yeah. uh, we've done a pretty good job of this. So you go in feeling pretty good. Uh, for me, I actually the second goal for Minnesota stands out as a as a positive moment, and I think it's because it's a bit of something I've been talking about a lot lately, which is. In, and we do this too often, instead of pouring the ball out as wide as we can with a fullback or more likely Miguel Ibarra just streaking down the, the sideline, great, we put we we spray a ball diagonally out to them. They've got space outside, but then all we're left to do is cross. We have no answers to get it back inside, and we're not a good crossing nor aerial team. That second goal, what I really liked about it was that Miguel cuts inside. There's a pass coming out of the, out of the midfield, and rather than taking it way out on the flank, he actually takes it cutting to the inside, and it's because of that that he's in a good position to slot a really, really tap-inable ball to Christian because yeah. he's inside the box instead of trying to wing something from outside of the box. And that's a moment of boldness and a moment of assertiveness that made all the difference there. Now, I'll give kind of a silver medal to that first goal because I think there was a bit 
of that happening there too. Now, it was still a big diagonal ball for Rasmus Schuler on that first goal. Darwin Quintero put a perfect touch on it out of the air, but there too, Quintero could have taken it to the outside and felt no. like it was a safe place, <laughs> but instead he does what he can do really well. He turns on the burners, he brings it inside, he runs direct at goal. Play the ball in the middle of the field. Yeah. I think, and I think Howard was expecting him to go outside. Um, and why wouldn't? Because Howard was not in a great position to defend that. I mean, no. Quintero put the ball uh, through a, through the five hole of Tim Howard. Tim Howard just the only reason it didn't go in from Quintero is because Tim Howard I think threw his like right leg and got just enough of the ball to like slow mm-hmm. it down. Yeah. But Quintero beat him five hole on that one too. So. Yep. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't they expect us to cut back us? That's yeah. all we ever do is just is just cover the flanks. So so I was excited about those um, dimensions, and I hope even though we we lost, we'll talk about what do you walk away from a game like this when you lose, but you feel good about certain things. That's one thing I hope doesn't change is in the offense, we're not afraid to go central. Yeah. So Yeah, you're right. We got but that naturally plays into what was your worst moment of the game? There's gotta be many. Yeah. This was a uniquely disheartening one. <laughs> it was very um you know, the worst moment of the game probably just going back and, and I don't wanna say the last the last goal because I have some thoughts on that. And it was probably the most more like more what the fuck moment. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna save it for that. Yeah, that's fair. I'm going to say that first Colorado goal is mostly because um, of the timing of when it was scored, uh, how it was scored, and and the just really shit defending um, that happened. Uh, uh, Edward Castillo is is probably was you know the best player on, on the pitch for Colorado probably um, during that match. Uh, he's given all the time in the world. Um, and I don't know if, if it's because they expected him to only shoot with his left foot, but Miguel Ibarra just lets him dance outside the top of the 18. Um, he cuts in. Uh, Boxel doesn't shift over. Mm-hmm. Um, Ibarra is just fucking standing there. Mm-hmm. Rasmus Schuler is like half-heartedly jogging to the top of the 18 to catch up to him. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the fuck uh, uh, Tyrone Mears was. Like he just wasn't even in the, in the picture. And that's your side of the field, man. You gotta you gotta be there. And so that he just it's like Minnesota didn't even expect uh, Castillo to take a shot there. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the most frustrating. That happened six minutes into the second half. Like, mm-hmm. this is a typical Minnesota thing is that they come out either the start of the game, weak, like, at, like <clears throat> absent-minded, mm-hmm. you know, weak, uh, weak-headed, or they start the second half like that, where they just mm-hmm. give up just absolutely quick and easy quick and easy goals yeah. that are unacceptable. That if they don't give those up, I mean, think of all the goals that Minnesota's can see in the first ten minutes yeah. of either, you know, the first half or the second half. Mm-hmm. Take away all those goals, Minnesota's, you know, they got probably nine more points. They have three more wins. So that was that was for me like the worst, probably the most frustrating moment, um, especially yeah. going back and rewatching, <laughs> rewatching the game. I was just like, oh, oh yeah, I forgot that it was just, that was so fucking easy. Yeah, you know, it looked it looked a lot harder from our end of the pitch, but it was it wasn't. It was just it was he Castillo ran at Abara. Abara gave him about eight yards. He cut back to the right and just and just lofted lofted the ball in over Shuttleworth, and Shuttleworth had no no fucking. You know, no fucking chance. So. It's uh, it's something we, that we've talked about before, which is that defense starts in the midfield. I mean, it's it, it starts with all eleven players, um, but it, it absolutely at least has to start in the midfield. Yeah. And you give them that space, it's a problem. And that actually is one of the things that stands out to me on the second goal as well. A lot of people are going to defend Brent Coleman on the second goal because he slipped and and the pitch was the pitch awful. was terrible. And, yeah. And so so that all comes into it. But I'm watching that replay and I've watched it several times and I'm thinking. Even if Coleman keeps his feet the way he was moving at the ball, it's probably a 50-50 shot. He intercepts the ball or he doesn't. And if he doesn't, he's in on goal either way. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, there was uh, all kinds of space, uh, both the defensive midfielder 
and the more advanced midfielder who ended up making the final pass in, they had nothing but space to work with to make that kind of delicate ball in there. In fact, if he had if if he had hit that pass a little bit harder to um, uh, Joe Mason, who ends up scoring the goal, then, then it wouldn't have mattered if Coleman would have slipped. It yeah. would have just been right at his feet. Yeah. And because he had perfectly weaved between our left center back and our outside back. And the position was perfect, and it was exactly the kind of spacing issues and the kind of um, coverage issues, the, the fact that we're giving them space and not trying to do things that, that make it hard for them to make simple passes like that. So Brent Coleman slips is, is an easy red herring. Yeah. Now, there were similar defensive problems I saw. I mean, goal, Tim so. Howard uh, almost cost – uh, Denver or the Colorado will go early in the first half by, by slipping. Like that field was bad. Yeah, I don't and, want to take anything away from that. Yeah, and, and we, I mean, we, we are currently at TCF Bank, and that's maybe one of the worst pitches as well in the uh, in the league. Um, you know, us New England, Colorado. Right. So we can't really, you know, don't want to um, cast too many stones over over here oh, in Minnesota. No. But it, does, it was, and it was and a I'm bad to take it off of that. But but again, I'm saying the spacing was poor it was, enough. It was it exactly didn't need a slip. Exactly the same as the first first goal, and that there was just like. You know, there's so much space at the top of the 18-yard box, and when you have runners coming in, that's your center back that to take those runners. Where was where was our midfield? Well, the, the what defensive was, what midfielder the who had the secondary assist, he ran 30 yards unimpeded. Yeah, right through the center of the. I, you stop that, you stop the chain reaction. That's it. So you know, I mean, I know Maximiano is a, a very much a red card risk. He's a, but he's a donor to the Dark Clouds Charity, <laughs> charity Card, card Club, Club is what yes. he is. Yeah. He's a charitable fellow. But uh, what is like? Why is he not playing in a match like this? You know, where's where's Colin Warner? Where where? I just don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. Anyways, I don't have an answer <clears> for you. Um, what was your most what the fuck moment? Um, I'm gonna go with the the game winner in you know the 97th minute of six minutes of stoppage time. Um, you know, obviously that's not great. Colorado wins a uh, wins a corner there, which you know the referee more often than not is going to give them the opportunity to take that corner. Um, but probably the most what the fuck moment was watching the replay and watching Tommy Smith climb across the back of Wyatt Olmsberg to get that header. I don't understand how. I mean, I know they looked at it in VAR. I don't understand how, and we we're just shell shocked. You know, so, but mm-hmm. so this is my actually today I went back and actually rewatched you know rewatched parts of the game, and. He's he's using Wyatt Umsberg as like a as a a ladder as a ladder as yeah. as a as a, like a you know those one of those cat scratching posts that's like up and he's like <laughs> just, like walking on it or whatever yeah. like it was just I couldn't I couldn't believe it and and Umsberg goes on it to, to be fair like Umsberg is he's taller than Tommy Smith yeah he, needs he should to, he, he should beat him to that ball that. yeah but it's also like just because you get beat to the ball like that doesn't mean the guy gets to cr- climb over you like yeah. like Tommy Smith did so I guess for for me in that moment that was my sort of most what the fuck moment that that goal wasn't taken away. Due to the VAR, right? And I know you. And what you're going to talk about is another just most what the fuck moment for many reasons. So why yeah, don't you just talk yeah, about? So, yeah, my, mine was the red card to yeah. Miguel Ibarra, and I've seen I've seen opinions that are different than mine on this. Honestly, I I look back at it. I've seen the replay a bunch of times, and I'm thinking so. Okay, le- yeah. worst case scenario for Miguel, he does something foolish out of retaliation or whatever, and it deserves a red. Like it's the worst case scenario. I'm I'm watching the replay here, and I'm like. You can tell for for 15 seconds that first of all there's clear obstruction yeah. of the ball and Miguel Ibarra's uh, attempt to get to it, which by the way is the second consecutive game in which, uh, including the U.S. Open Cup from the previous week, where somebody obstructed a restart for Minnesota United that could have cost us the game. In yeah. truth, uh, I know you, you get into what ifs and trees of possibilities, you know all that kind of stuff, but that's twice in a row that that it's gone unpunished right yeah. now. 
un unmeaningfully punished. So, so worst case scenario, Miguel does something stupid uh, and foolish in, retro uh, in reaction. But like for 15 seconds, if you're going to go back and VAR this, which they do, you can see him just getting his ass whooped. He gets yeah. knocked to the ground. He does all this stuff. How are you watching that? And, and this comes down to, I think, this, the art of refereeing versus the science. Are you as a referee solely just in charge of managing the minutia down to the inch of the rules in a sort of NFL-style uh, reckoning, or is it your job to control a game? And do you look at that and you say, all things considered, Miguel Ibarra gets a worse end of this deal, and they both get reds, or they both get yellows, or uh, because when you VAR that, you've got to see every bit of context. Yeah. I can see missing that on the fly, because how often does a referee only catch the second offense? Yeah. Because it's the first one that just draws out of the corner of their eye, the yep. second one's clear as day. But when you're VARing it, how do you look at that and say, well, Miguel Ibarra's the fucking monster here, and it's not the seven people standing around him like a schoolyard gang, <laughs> while Miguel Ibarra, by the way, is five foot nine. Yeah. You know, I Five foot nine at, at, on a good I, day. I didn't, underst <laughs> I didn't understand how yeah. you walk away from the VAR saying there's only one outcome here, and that's a Miguel Ibarra red. Yeah. And, well, to be I fair, you did give a yellow to uh, Martin. But that's but, the point. You gave a yellow. But the guy who he yeah. looked at all that in total. The guy who got it the worst got uh, got the red card. Was yeah. the guy with seven people standing around him who got shoved yeah. to the ground after a clear obstruction foul? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you have to look at the context. I mean, yeah. you just have to, especially when you get the chance on a VAR. Yeah. I, I agree. The VAR has been uh, weirdly managed, let's say, this year in MLS. Um, the, if what you know uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic did a few weeks ago, and he got he got nothing, and, v, and Miguel Ibar got a red for what he did, like I think they're not managing that expectations well or correctly because clearly there's a different standard for different players. In oh the right, league. Garber's got to be on the on the earpiece to the referee, yeah. letting him know who's red cardable. So yeah. that is that's a, that's that's frustrating, especially knowing that Minnesota's going to get the short end of that stick more often than not, just based yeah, on who Minnesota is. Gives a shit about so, Minnesota, you know? so yeah, but that really that brings us to our uh, official scorecard. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's pretty simple. I had a D minus. Fuck this guy. A couple of clear. <laughs> I I'll bump down to a D. I, I'd given a C minus, but the more you and I have talked about it, I. Uh, I think there were calls that were missed that I missed and didn't consider. I thought there was problems with the man management in general, that you don't let things get out of hand, especially when there are conditions that can cause both a close game as well as then the condition of the pitch that can cause things to get messy and physical and chippy, if you like to say that word. Um, so you got to control that. And the more I talk about it, I'm like, why did I give him a C minus? If I were yeah. a fucking teacher, that you'd, <laughs> That's a you'd, have, you'd have to give, write me some extra credit to fucking pass. So yeah, I'll give him a D. There you go. Uh, so the the next Freddie Adu award for the star of the game. Um, well, I think we both had the same guy, uh, Miguel Ibarra. Um, he had what we for had a the dude business. who had a red card. Yeah, look he, at us. He had what? Had? For the for a oh, dude yeah. who had a red oh, card. Oh, he was he was easily the game. He was by far the best player on the pitch for seventy nine minutes. And Goal, assist, and effort. Yeah, and in the uh, in the grand scheme of things, he was probably the best player on the pitch for the full 90 minutes even though he was only on for 79 <laughs> yeah. um he had he had a what we in the business call a clint dempsey or a gordy howe hat trick which is a goal assist <laughs> in a straight red yeah a gordy howe exactly how is a goal assist in a fight <laughs> so more or less the same thing so yeah. uh congratulations to miguel ivara for that clint dempsey or gordy howe hat trick if he uh if he would have torn up the referee's book he could have hit for the cycle but uh <laughs> no, you can't win them all uh but like it means that uh, miguel ivara has plenty of time to uh, hang out with the uh Dark Clouds next week or this Fuck week yeah. actually 
uh, in the uh, in the in the Wonderwall section with Dark Clouds Teeny. You probably won't, but it'd be so amazing. It would did. be awesome. I know in the past, this, I mean, obviously back in the NASL days when like the guys had red cards would come sit with us like Pablo Campos. I remember that. Happening, yeah, <laughs> was and fantastic. So I like, you know, uh, 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 this is the Freddie Adu section, right? Yeah. Um, Las Vegas's team. When uh, when uh, their boss gets suspended, which he does frequently, he sits with the fans and he yells curses. Yeah, I think he sits and, like smokes <laughs> smokes cigarettes up there smokes, too. Yeah. Like, he can't even do that either, and he fucking swears at everybody. <laughs> I mean, it's a perfect team for LA or Las Vegas. We uh, yeah. we could talk. We could spend a whole podcast about Las Vegas. But yeah. um, also speaking of weed, uh, <laughs> fucking sponsored by a weed team. It's a, <laughs> yeah. Dude, can they make a wrong move? I don't think so. Uh, so I, I had the same guy, Ibarra, and I don't have uh, I don't have anything else to add that she didn't. Uh, now, a hat tip to Quintero. Quintero continues to be, I think, the, the star on the team. If uh, if Miguel is a workhorse, consistent, churning out effort and, quote, content, yeah. uh, Quintero shows flair each time he's out there. Uh, I've been really happy with him, especially as he's settled into the team. Yeah, he's uh, only had one bad game. Everything else he's had, I mean... You know his worst games have been his worst games have honestly been like kind of meh like you just didn't see him a lot. Right. But he always has one or two plays a game where you're just like, holy shit! Like, well, where he, did you where like where did that come from? Where like how did you how did you see that pass? Right. You know, and, and, he, and he, every game without fail, even when he has a, not a great game, he has one or two of those moments yeah. where you're just like, okay, if we if we can connect on some of those things, mm-hmm. you know, this team could steal some games. But yeah. Yeah, and he, he always makes the more aggressive move, yeah. which is something we don't get to see very often. He can take guys on 1v1, which it's it's sad because we, as Minnesota fans, we don't get to see that often. We don't get to see that moment where you're like, did you just – he just fucking posterized that guy. Sam Nicholson like, was even, the, even when we win, we don't posterize Yeah, people, Sam Nicholson right? was the only guy who actually had any – like inclination to try that whether he wasn't very good at it but he, but he cut he at in least, he at least tried damn it he cut in so, <laughs> so good for him so he, may, maybe an easier word to give maybe a harder one i don't know the freddie do award for the shittiest possible player yeah so i mean i actually i had a hard time with this one because i don't i didn't think anybody played a particularly bad game i had the same feeling and that's so such a weird feeling <laughs> yeah for a team that just lost to colorado so the shittiest team in the league coughing up two leads yeah I mean, so I'm, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a good old standby, uh, Adrian Heath. Um, and it, yeah. this goes back to something that we talked about that you you mentioned. I've I, we've and we've talked about it for probably the last a ten year? podcasts. Is that <laughs> Heath just he can't get it right um, in Minnesota? Whether like the attack is fine. We scored two goals. We should have scored probably four or five in this game. Um, if he can't get it right, if he can't, if he can't get it right against Colorado and against San Jose, yeah, how in the fuck do we expect him to get it right against anybody who, of consequence, Dallas or any who, yeah, or who's good? Um, as I mentioned, the attack looks fine. Um, it's sometimes sputters, but it generally, as we talked, we just talked about, you know, Quintero, Quintero has those moments um, of amazingness. Ramirez has really refined his game, and and he's not just a one trick pony. You know, he can control uh, control the center of the pitch. Um, bring balls down, create for other players. Ibarra mm-hmm. has been has been easily the best player on the team this year. Yeah, I think without a doubt. Yep. Um, the defense, you know, while they have their one or two mistakes a game, that's about you know, there's and they're big mistakes, and, and more often than not, other teams capitalize on them. But they're they're not doing that. You know, last year they were doing three, four, five big ass mistakes a game. Well, and so they're and so they're but the defense I think has generally managed to find a good rhythm. Um, and they've and they've had a bunch of injuries on the defense too. Like Eric yeah. Miller was out, Tayson's been out, uh, you know, Calvo's gone for right. You know, there's, so there's been a lot of shakeup there. The one place where Heath just 
has not figured anything out is the midfield. And we've talked about this, you know, going back two years now about how the midfield is so important for both defense and offense, like creating chances. Like if you leave Ramirez up there by himself, and he's not getting any, he's not getting any possession. He's not getting any, any, any you know, feeding. It, it, of course your attack's going to look bad. Um, Quintero has been help, a helpful component in that. And he, he's able to go about and get, get the ball back. And Ramirez is coming back a little further to help get the ball and help create stuff. But there's no, we don't know what our midfield looks like. We, we are consistently playing two, um, you know, two sixes. We clearly don't have an eight, even though we're spending tons and tons of money on Maximiano. There's clearly a liability on the field when he gets out there. And so I'm just, I, I just, I don't understand, you know, what, what Adrian can do more. And he's just, not doing the things that he needs to do, and, and, and he, he might be out of ideas too. I think you know, so. And, part and of this, you know, yeah. you know that I'm. A, I'm tr- I always try to look at this balance, and I, I made a big tweet about saying it's time for Heath to move on to what comes next. Um, and you know that I've waffled on it, and then I've over time become more firmly encamped in the all right, let's let's move on camp, and I'm I'm firmly in that camp now. <laughs> but some of the things you said, for instance, like the emergence of Ramirez uh, as uh, more than a one-trick pony and Ibarra, now that he's starting the dude, actually finding his footing. We end up with Quintero, who's been a find. Um, the defense isn't that much changed from what it has was last year, no. but other than isolated mistakes, which the part of the problem is that they are always cost us. It's, yeah. you know, how often do we see a mistake and you're just like, oh, shucks. And then, you know, nothing comes of it, but you're like, oh, close run there. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but like... S- formationally, spatially, I, th- I think they don't have some of the same mistakes as they had had before. Are some of those things at least a, a tip of the cap to Heath that he was able to take what are largely the same pieces available to him? We've just mentioned a whole bunch of the same pieces with Ramirez and Ibarra and the two center backs and stuff like that, that he's taken those and made what is at least on the eye a, a better team. And I say this only for the sake of conversation because I've already said I think it, it's not working and it's time to move on, but are those at least things we can say? Okay, yeah, I see that there are still sure. problems. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that that's fine. You can say that, and and you wouldn't be wrong. Um, however, like on balance, the team is actually worse than they were last year, in terms results of like wise. results yeah. wise. Yeah, yep. and so you don't. I mean, it's this is not this is not La Liga or the EPL where you need studs to be a consistent, mm-hmm. you know, decent team in this league, right? I mean, we've seen. You know, F- the FC Dallas's of the world, uh, and you know the Sporting Kansas Cities, which have built it with pieces that and guys who have become you know studs, but they weren't when they you know first joined those teams, right? Or when they're coming up through the through the ranks. Um, the Red Bulls is a great example. Like they don't you know RSL is once, in a once they sold right now, but the you know, program yeah once, once they sold yeah. Terry Henry like that's that's mm-hmm. most of those players are people players that they've identified either uh, at, on other teams or come up through their system, mm-hmm. and. I mean, I don't know how much I don't under I don't know how much real Heath has left. And honestly, to be for talking for being fair, like hopefully enough, Manny, Manny and Amos so. should be on that same on that same line of rope. I mean, yes, yes. the three of them have done nothing, uh, you know, outside of you know, yes, you know, Cantero was a, a great pickup and has you know shown that shown that to be the case. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll talk a little bit about you know some of their targets for the summer and mm-hmm. you know they land one or two of those. Maybe it's a but. You've already dug yourself at a gigantic mm-hmm. hole when you really are talking. You legitimately saying like, but for you know three months or two two and a half months last year, this is a playoff team. But for you know that opening month and that really mm-hmm. shitty month that we had in the middle of the year, this is a playoff team. Mm-hmm. 
to to produce the results that they have, you know, again, they're worse right now than they yeah. were last year in terms well, of results. Like that just I can't those two things can't jive together and um well, and someone needs to be held accountable. Well, so. How, how, so, so I, I completely agree. I, th- I think the three of them go together. I think that that uh, obviously Heath needs better players to do more, but obviously he, it's not like Heath isn't in the room at the table when they're talking about it too. Yeah, he so, is. So of course that's my point. Of course yeah. he is. So, well, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I, honestly, I, th- I, I think, I think Amos and Manny have a lot more have a lot more rope than Heath does. Because, because of their roles within the city and the history and the organization. Yeah, and and you know to be fair, like Heath was the one who said, "This is how I want to play." Here, are the you know, he's the guy identifying, if not the the specific players, the types of players that he wants to bring in for to for his system. And the problem that we keep running into with Heath is that he does not know how how to manage a game. If if his if his stuff doesn't work, then they're screwed. And if his stuff works, but you know they have a couple of defensive miscues; they're screwed. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so the substitution strategy remains uh, an enigma. You know, it, it looked it looked like it was he was doing a little bit better. He was actually subbing people on like the 67th minute when you actually could He's get making some. Subs, yeah, yeah, you get some, you get some, you know, some momentum but, or whatever. But it's, it's reverted. It's reverted back to a really like slapdash uh, system. And again, I think it's just because we, he does he doesn't have the depth. And you know, whose fault is that? It's I'll you know. So I'll make one quick point. We can we can move on because we could we could absolutely drag Heath. We could we do an, an hour and a half podcast. On, yeah, I mean, on, we probably this, should. So. Yeah. So um, the one point I'll say is is a lot of people are quick to give credit for uh, Quintero because Quintero not only is a great player for us but he's a bargain steal. But at the same time, I, my thought is like how how hardy a hand job do we have to give these guys for finding Quintero when LAFC and Atlanta United launched with five guys like that yeah. you know they're out there to be found if you're willing to find them scout them uh, meaningfully identify spend their the money. value and then spend the money when, yep. when push comes to shove now I don't want to I don't even want to take that too far because it sounds like we we're willing to pony up for Benedetti if we all remember that and we just couldn't close that deal we were too far apart in terms so it was great to see the intent there but again how, how much asked we have to kiss for Quintero it was one signing that panned out for $200,000 when these other teams are launching with five of them yeah I I 100%, 100% agree I, I mean I think we definitely have to give them a little bit of credit for for that as I mean clearly the I mean the other thing with uh, <clears throat> with Quintero is that it's not like Quintero was a diamond in the rough that no one it wasn't like he was a Joseph Martinez. Name, yeah. yeah he was he was a name that's he, people have been trying to get Quintero into MLS for the last four years um, you know the last three of those years would have been in his like. I mean, he's probably still like at the very tail end of his prime. He's probably got another good one or two more years of, of solid prime left. Yeah. But if you know, someone, if Vancouver, who was you know scouting him before, had brought him in three years ago, you know he would have, he'd have been a, a multi million dollar transfer for Minnesota right. to get him. So yeah. part of his value was down because he's you know thirty years old and he's you know on his on probably his last like five years of, of actual legitimately you know playing the position that he plays as well as he does with his his, his, his pace and his speed um you know he doesn't have he doesn't have nine years of that he's got maybe four years of that left right so and uh, you know and again as i mentioned he, he was a known he was a known commodity in mls yeah. i mean it's not he's, like he's a household name in mexico yeah I mean, it's not like he came from out and of nowhere. multiple mls teams have have sniffed around yeah. uh 
you know, he's a good for a while. And yeah, no, get, nothing, but not nothing taken away from you should there. Should be able but, to get more than one of them in two years. And let's maybe so. get one who's like nineteen or twenty as opposed to twenty nine, thirty. Benedetti. Yeah. So uh, you know, my favorite, and then we'll move on. My favorite Quintero moment, no matter what he does the rest of his life, will always be right after we signed him, but he wasn't ready to play yet. That Atlanta home game, that freezing ass cold Atlanta home game that we ended up yeah. losing. He was in the stands to say hi to the supporters and stuff. And he just held up the scar for pictures there about 60 minutes in. And just the look on his face that said, I've made a huge mistake. Because <laughs> it was the most miserable fucking place uh, to Yes, I, actually, I was, not, I was at a Passover Seder I know, you night, made the, so, yeah, yeah, I did you not made the right call. That game. No, yeah, it was, it was the most miserable weather conditions. You just see in his eyes, like, this is hell. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, uh, okay, so that's enough of that dreariness. Let's move on sure. to other United news. There are a few uh, bits of news here. Um, I'll, I'll take the first one here. Sure. Manny Lagos uh, sort of intimated that the Loons would be active in the summer transfer window in an interview with MLS.com that dropped today. MLSsoccer.com. MLS.com, of course, is where you find your next home. MLSsoccer.com <laughs> is where you fucking find. You remember back in the day when it used to be, uh, it was like MLS, MLScom.net or some shit like that? I don't that. remember that. Was that was literally the fucking league's website. Man, it's come a long ways. Um, <laughs> it's five, $5 fewer on GoDaddy or whatever. Um, so he Lagos, this is was saying that quote, we're certainly looking forward to trying to see at so many qualifiers. We're certainly looking forward to trying to see if we can address that mechanism, i.e. the transfer window, uh, in terms of building the roster and getting more competitive. That's a fucking Lagos quote if there ever was. One. Oh God, so, yeah, so vague. But anyways, um, he wouldn't dish on whether it was going to be a DP or a TAM level, but a related report then uh, I'll call it related from Jeff Ruder and Christian Dyer coming out of the athletic. Uh, said that Minnesota was asking about uh, Romario Ibarra. We got two Ibarras now from Universidad Católica in uh, Ecuador. Uh, the same source suggested that we were not after a DP. So a couple of things there. Ibarra is a 23-year-old guy. Could be uh, a good get. He's a winger because, of course, he is. But it's not like we have elite wingers. We ha we've joked about signing a lot of them, and we have. But it's not like we have a, a whole stable of elite ones either. So if, yeah. he, if he's great, okay, fine. No, if but he's a, if he's a if he's a solid starter uh, that he's, and he's pushing uh, Miguel as well, and he's pushing, yeah. um, and you can rest you can rest Quintero, you can give him a uh, day off if you need to. Yeah, um, that's fantastic. We've at least uh, got we've got one report from Lagos himself saying they wanted to be active, and a second report now with specificity around that. Yeah. So, so it's, yeah, apparently apparently I was reading the fifty five one today and. Uh, Apparently, Club Leon was bidding for his services, and apparently we outbid Club Leon. Now, that was per a tweet. Um, We've just criticized the front office about splashing the cash. They weren't willing to make Benedetti happen. Now, Benedetti was $8 million. As, you know, it's a lot yeah. of money, but... Well, speak, uh, okay. Yeah, speaking of, of uh, Benedetti, though, um, I was reading, actually, uh, <laughs> that MLScom.net uh, piece <laughs> as well today uh, from uh, another, another piece, actually, from Sam Seychell. Um uh, and that Minnesota is apparently still in the running for Nicholas Bendetti. I heard that. that yeah, that I, seemed like a really thin. We'll see. Lead I mean, there. it sounds like. I mean, I would say it's probably more likely that MLS is still in the running for Nicholas Bendetti. Um, he's so openly said because that he's he interested to, in he other to, MLS yeah, teams. I mean, apparently, Ajax agreed to te a ten million transfer, but again, Bendetti doesn't want to go to Ajax. Um, doesn't want to go to uh, the Netherlands. He would prefer to go to MLS, mm -hmm. and so. You know, what he doesn't puts, realize is that he would be signing. I'm sure he does really realize this, but he would be signing with MLS. Yeah. Minnesota has first right of refusal on him. Yeah. Now we could arrange, we could cut deals to give that up. That happens all the time. Yes. Um, but 
it's not fully on him to choose to come to Minnesota. It's kind of no. on him only to choose to come to MLS. True. And then exactly. to subject himself to the roster mechanisms here. Or to negotiate. That's another podcast all of its own. <laughs> or to just sort of help facilitate negotiating a deal with, you know, a team that he actually wants to go to. I don't know. We'll see. So that's that's not necessarily a done deal that Minnesota wouldn't get Nicholas Mendetti. I agree with you. It I think that's, that's a long shot. Yeah. It's a long shot. Um, the only other sort of note, uh, there's actually two notes. Um, so the match this week is actually on Friday night. It's our only Friday night home match of the year against FC Dallas. We'll talk about FC Dallas in, in a bit. Um, it's also Pride Night for the Loons. So, um, you know, it's make Pride sure Night for the for the LGBT folks that come to the game. Yep. The Loons should be filled with nothing but shame. <laughs> that's, but that's 100% true. And and to be in, you know, as people who like represent the dark clouds, like we are fully encouraging i mean we, we don't pride it's pride night which is great but every night is you know every we are night is we are night. we are you know encouraging and we are um uh, allies in every step yeah. of the way so i uh, definitely want to make sure that you uh make sure you rainbow up get your uh, get your scarf if, if you've not seen um the dark clouds uh pride scarf it's fucking amazing um, your wings. again um you know visit your favorite lgbt uh q friendly establishment before the game um, Townhouse is a great one. Oh. It's about to be Blackheart. Um, they're actually going to be doing a post-game uh, uh, drag show um, with your ticket. It's a two dollar uh, two dollar cover, and that is actually going. The, all the cover is going to avenues uh, for homeless youth, um, which is an LGBTQ uh, teen uh, organization that works with kids um, who are maybe kicked out of their houses, um, homeless, um, who identify as LGBTQ. Um, we've uh, donated money. The, the Dark Clouds have donated money from um, Pride sales last year to there. I'm not sure if they're doing that this year to Avenues for Homeless Youth or if they're going to another place, but we have worked with them in the past. They're a really, really great organization. Um, would encourage you to come to that. Um, another sort of pro uh, note for this is that uh, I haven't really talked about this, but the Nomad, Zarkos are not uh, doing any stuff for the Nomad anymore. Um, I don't really want to talk about that on the podcast. If you have questions about how all that stuff went down, you can certainly see me at a game. But we actually have come to agreement with Surly to help sort of host our Minneapolis watch party at Surly. Our, sorry, Minneapolis pregame festivities at Surly. Um, there's no other beer specials right now that other than go have Surly beer. Um, I know they donate at least $1 from all the Rising North cans to a different environmental organization each match, which is great. Um, but that's where uh, merch is going to be. So if you want to pick up any of that Pride merch yep. uh, before the match, uh, make sure you stop at Surly um, well before the game starts. I think merch will be there until 6.15, maybe, maybe sure. 6.30. Um, but I would get there well before 6 if you want to get a Pride scarf, um, a really kick-ass Pride shirt, or any of the other Dark Clouds merch. So that's where the merch is going to be living for most home, most home games will be actually at uh, – that's early. We, so uh, there's going to be a big ass pride tifo that night. Yes, that's right. And uh, we've we've taken the cue for our design from uh, from the scarf slogan, "Spread your wings." So nice. that's that's the only hint that I'll give the folks on here. You're going to have to come to see it if you want to see it. I think it'd make a great shirt. You've seen it. Yes. I think it might make a hell of a shirt. Actually. Yeah, I think so too. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. So make sure you do that uh, this Friday. Um, come to Townhouse after the match. Uh, it's going to be a super awesome drag show. Um, donate money for a good cause. 
Uh, and then the other sort of thing is, is if you're not, um, is the World Cup of Soccer is happening. Um, <laughs> the World Cup of Soccer. That's an event. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, it's an event that's the happening. The Men's World Cup. Yeah, the Men's World Cup of Soccer is, is a thing that's still happening. Uh, there's a World Cup Street Fair that uh, Dark Cloud Silver Lining, the uh, charitable arm, is going to be uh, volunteering at. I'm actually going to be there on Saturday morning. I don't <laughs> know exactly where it is. If you Google World Cup Street Fair Minnesota, I'm sure it'll pop up. It's on Saturday. Um, there's going to be a parade. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of vendors. Our clouds will be there. Um, Silver Lion will be doing a lot of volunteering. Um, I think there's still some shifts available in the afternoon if you want to help out. Um, but, yeah, come, come, do all the, come do all the things. Excellent. Lots of, lots of things. Excellent. Let's move on to uh, our next section, Better Know a Loon. This time we're going to get to know, and I'll let you go ahead and run through the cellar. Sure. This time we're going to get to know Rasmus Schiller. Yeah, we, have not, uh, we haven't done the Better Know a Loon segment in a while, but no, uh, I was inspired today when I was putting together the notes for the – putting together my part of the notes for the podcast. So uh, Rasmus Schuller. Uh, he – Schuller just celebrated his 27th birthday. Um, so he's a Gemini, which makes perfect sense when you watch him play. You know anything about Geminis? Duality. He's uh, fucking two faced. All over the place, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Schuler has 14 Finnish national team caps, including a call up uh, here in early June. He also has 13 U21 caps, and he has zero goals in all of those international call ups. So. You know, and he's kind of fallen out of favor with the U21s. He hasn't gotten a call up there in years. So it's been a while. So he's fallen out of favor. Trying to figure that out, yeah. Apparently, the, uh, the national team likes him, but the U21s can't handle him anymore, so. Uh, so Schuler has led multiple Finnish teams to Europa League qualifying, including one team to the group stage. Uh, his Finnish counterpart uh, on the Minnesota Wild, uh, Mikko Koivu, would really like to know what it means, uh, feels like to win something. Is it too soon for that? Was <laughs> it been two months? Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, Schuler has studied law at the University of Helsinki, which is good because he's been stealing money from Minnesota University for a year and a half. What's his salary? I don't remember. I don't know. I think it's like one hundred forty thousand. No, year. He's, he's one of the two hundreds. Uh, sure. Maybe you mean right? Maybe like two, like two twenty yeah. or something like that. Anyways, I don't know. That is a steal. <laughs> uh, the Finnish first division is called the Veikkausliiga, and that's just fun to say. I don't know. That's it's got two Ks. Yeah, it's got two Ks. Y'all can't see it, but yeah, uh, it's got two Ks. And, two, and two eyes in Liga. Oh yeah, I I yeah, it's Liga. 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 Yeah. Uh, so that's the other kind of cool thing about um, about, about Iceland. <laughs> about Iceland is that they. So Iceland speaks like old Norwegian. Yeah. So people from Norway don't understand what people in Iceland are saying, but people in Iceland can understand like Norwegian. Okay. And actually Danish. They because uh, Iceland used to be a Danish colony. Okay. Way back in the day, I learned a lot of fun facts about Iceland. I'm gonna, gonna need to figure out a way to That's roll great. them into better Noah loons. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, and then uh, finally, Schuler is a Swedish-speaking Finn, which is a linguistic minority in Finland. Um, so I'm pretty sure that Schuler is a spy. Or I may have finally finished watching The Americans. I can't figure out which. What'd you think? Which ones? I loved it. I thought it was awesome. That's a Patreon podcast right there. <laughs> yes, we can. What a, oh. what a heartbreaking way for it to end. You know. Yeah, we could, we could, we could talk. I would, I could talk for hours about The Americans. I think we also need to do our Demolition Man We've as a Patreon about podcast. That for a year or two, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, all right, that was better than Loon. Um, the uh, Rashmus Schuler finish edition. So. Uh, yeah, what should we should we talk about the upcoming match on Friday? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. It's gonna be our Pride match, and uh, even a Pride up because uh, we're gonna be taking on the FC Dallas's, uh, the Burn. If you're an old timer, um, so give me the lines on this, and then let's talk about uh, who's good, who's bad, and how we should play them. Sure. Um, so the over under on the match is three goals, um, which is uh, see my, like minus one eleven. So you're gonna be uh, paying. Pay more money to get that. Um, I would definitely probably bet the under, 
or just stay away from this one because I think there's about three goals in this game. Um, FC Dallas, if you want them uh, with a point and a half, or sorry, Minnesota, if you want them with a half a point, um, that's a negative 121. Um, that might be decent money, actually, because this game you know, could end in a draw. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, Minnesota, uh, FC Dallas is obviously favored in this match. Um, Minnesota is slightly, slightly behind them. Uh, and then the draw is actually uh, probably draw probably your best at, bet yeah. where we have for your, uh, for your money uh, would be uh, FC Dallas uh, shit in the bed, Minnesota scoring a, a couple goals. Although, to be Easy fair, the last time they played uh, in Minnesota, Minnesota won 4-1 to one the last September. But that was during the downfall of the prolonged downfall that, of FC Dallas. bad Dallas team so from last uh, year. But, you know, even when bad Dallas last year were good Dallas, you'll remember that um, only a, an amazing game by goalkeeper Jesse Gonzalez yes, right. actually kept us from stealing points out of Dallas on the road. That is true. So it's not like we have a terrible history against these guys. So No, um, that's true. Once you tell, yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got the mic here. You're hot, <laughs> looking hot. Uh, who's good on FC Dallas? They got a few of them. Yeah, they have a, they have a few players. Um, obviously, their their defense has recovered, uh, and they're very very good. Um, you know, you just mentioned Jesse Gonzalez. He often makes makes a case that he should get a, a a really truly legitimate shot at the number one goalkeeper position for the U.S. Men's National Team. Yep. Um, and you're right again that sort of that uh, game last year was the reason the Minnesota didn't have six points from the two FC Dallas games last year. Um, you know, weird. Weirdly, maybe in addition by subtraction. I mean, Walker Zimmerman. You know, cough, cough. Uh, it's been he's been great for um, LAFC, but he was really struggling with FC Dallas last year, even getting benched. Um, yeah. And Matt Hedges, um, obviously, has just been a you know a stalwart. And then you know we don't even really talk about Kellen Acosta, who's been hurt. Um, he's just really now getting back into form. He was actually subbed off. Um, in that match against the Red Bulls, oh, he was subbed off about thirty minutes. Yeah, in, that was and not for injury. Yeah, no, no, not for injury. He was definitely upset. I watching some of that. Um, yes, but that was when uh, you know FC Dallas decided to go for it. They they brought in another attacker. Acosta is, yep. is again. He's still coming back from injury, so he's not one hundred percent yet. But mm-hmm. he's still a, a, a damn good player, and uh, yeah. um, especially in the midfield. Talk about having a, a Kellen Acosta type in our midfield mm-hmm. would be amazing. I mean, that's a guy who who connects. You know the, the the you know the front of the defense to the to the back of the offense and, and make sure that you know those balls are moving through um, through that you know that space and in a very good way. So I mean that's a couple. I mean who else do you have that? I mean uh, about um, FC Dallas. That's that's decent. Yeah, yeah. You most you mostly said it. Uh, Maro Diaz was somebody who last year. So so he's a long time great player yeah. for FC Dallas and uh, last year kind of fell off the map you think like well he's, he's getting up there is his productive time done well Mauro Diaz right now is uh, he finally remembered how to play soccer he's sitting on eight assists and he's got two goals as well yeah. so that's pretty good for about the whatever the 45 percent way through the season point that, that we're at right now um, so uh, otherwise I think you've mostly said it uh, Roland Lamont's got uh, six goals up top you can't look away from that. Now, they've still had their problems in the attack overall, but six goals, I mean, I'd, I'd take a fucking goal scorer with six goals right now. Sure, yeah. Um, so, no, otherwise, otherwise, I think you said a, a couple of quick things about Dallas overall. Um, we, their collapse last year, I don't think anybody thought it was sustainable. I don't think that all of a sudden we thought that this organization was Philadelphia. No. Um, but And we were right then. So, you, you, it comes to this year. Um, Dallas is fourth in the Shield standings if you're looking at points per game. They're second place in the West. They're third in MLS on goals allowed. So it's overall, it's a good team top to bottom. Not a perfect team, but but a very good team. 
So uh, let's talk about what what we can do about it. Let's talk about who sucks. Yeah. Why don't you uh, why don't you start us off with that one? Oh sure. So uh, for me, first of all, left back for Dallas is is a position to watch. So they have very limited depth there. Ryan Hollingshead played against New York Red Bulls. Uh, I should mention um, Dallas's last result was a three to nothing loss to New York, despite Dallas being up a man like for over an hour. For over an hour. Yeah. So. Even though Dallas is a uh, on the standings looks good, I, I know a couple of Dallas writers who are suggesting that they're not quite as good as their standings have suggested, and playing in the West probably helps that. Sure. Yeah. Um, but also, they've had a rough couple of recent games that could portend kind of a midseason funk. So maybe we're catching them at the right time. So, anyways, I said all that positive shit about him, and now here I am. So, um, but left back is a spot to watch. They don't have the depth there. I think you'll expect Hollingshead to play there now. The only backup that might be there for Hollingshead might be Maynard Figueroa, but he's getting up there in age. I don't think he has the pace to do probably what they need in the attack, which is a very Minnesota thing that they use uh, fullbacks to create a ton of width. At least we used to do more of that than we do now. Yeah. But um, they use the fullbacks there to allow the wingers to pinch in more. Paging Minnesota, I think that's something we should do more of with the wingers pinching in and creating more stuff going on in the center of the field. So I like that they do that, but Maynard Figueroa is not about to fucking do that. Yeah. So I'd expect Maynard Figueroa to be in that center back role, uh, the left center back role. Now, that said, also, that's a bit of a position that's a little bit outside the norm for him. He would probably be playing there because Rito Ziegler has gotten a suspension, and now he's going to be uh, suspended. He's a, he would be the otherwise obvious left center back. Yep. So I think there's going to be a bit of turmoil on the left side of the defense that could be our perfect opportunity to exploit. Last point I'll make is that Dallas tried to start their game against the Red Bulls in a 3-5-2. They've tinkered with it throughout the season. This is the first time they started there. It sucked, was not effective. They switched out of it. Um, if we see that, that could be, especially because I mentioned kind of the fullback depth issues. Do they want us to try midfielders and stuff, a five-man midfield? They might go with that, but it was an opportunity for them last, last week. So... I would see that as a chance we can strike against as well. Sure, yeah. I mean, I don't think they'll go back to that well. Yeah, I was going to say the question is, though. I mean, they, they – And not on the road They either. did that against – well, they did it on the road against the Red Bulls because they probably saw that as maybe the only opportunity to uh, to steal some points on the road. I don't think, as you've talked about and alluded to many times, they're not – they're going to go back to what works when they play Minnesota because – they're, they shouldn't we, be too worried yeah, about Minnesota we have talked about it because you have yeah. to plan for New York. You have yeah. to be like, we have to hit New York. Well, how do we? Yeah. How do we? How do we stop Tyler Adams? It's how like, do we how stop? How can we hone what yeah, we Bradley do Bryce well Phillips. and make them react? Yeah. Which yeah. they're not going to do that against Minnesota. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Red Ziegler got in the red card. You know, in you know the 90th minute of that match, which really you know doesn't help uh, Dallas. That's but right. I mean, if they're going to get if they're going to get a red card, it's you know where they have a little bit of depth. It's probably. You know, in that sort of center back position, center back, you know, fullback position, they have a little more depth. Um, Maybe on the right side. Yeah, the left side is thin. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. So you know, it really depends on who does. You know, do, do they move Figueroa over, and or do they move someone from the right over? And and I mean, that's just, that's just a question about what they're you know, what they depends on how you feel about it, Figueroa it tend I guess, to do. at this point. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, one thing. So I mean, I totally agree with you that the, you know, especially if if the sort of that. The sort of the projected lineup that we think is going to be run out there um, on the left-hand side, that our right-hand side is where we should be attacking. However, that is where Miguel Abara normally plays, and Miguel Abara is not playing. Um, and uh, in fact, Minnesota United is 0-4 and one, uh, so four uh, four losses and a draw 
in the last five matches that Miguel Ibarra hasn't played since the start of last year. So he's been kind of a catalyst for this team. Um, and so, I mean, this is an opportunity for Colin Martin, I think, probably to step in. Um, as a winger? As a winger. Um, he didn't look terrible in the Colorado match. Um, I mean, if Eric Miller is healthy, maybe Alexi Gomez. Uh, and Pushes up, with, yeah. Yeah, Quintero. Um, well, Colin Martin did play a little play outside against Houston. He did, yeah. Um, and, they and, had a and lot of fluidity look, among yeah, the attacking look, three midfielders. And he didn't look terrible. Um, he just, I don't think Colin Martin has the motor of Miguel Ibarra. No. Um, so, you know, maybe – I don't know. I, I kind of – and this maybe sort of dives into how we should play them. You know, we <laughs> – we talked about that Colorado match, and we're like, yeah, like no one really played terribly. Like, that yeah, what's, was what's the kind change of, you make when you liked a lot of what you saw? Yeah, that was kind of, you know, that match was kind of how we would envision Minnesota playing against most teams, and that they're, you know, they're controlling the tempo of the game, but they're not necessarily maybe controlling all of the possession, but they are sort of high, like higher pressing, they're forcing turnovers, and they're countering. And like that's when Minnesota scored their two goals was was not like ten passes build up of play, but like a turnover, uh, uh, a quick outlet pass, and then you know just guys running. That's who we are. And that is, you know, if Adrian Heath acknowledges that, then you know, especially if, if especially if, if Dallas tries to line up with a three-five-two, kind of like what Colorado did, that would be the way to exploit that. Yeah. Um, but even if they don't, I, th- I think that's kind of how Minnesota should be playing this game. Especially at home, which I guess is sort of counterintuitive to the entirety of like Adrian Heath's philosophy and how he wants to play soccer. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. What do you you know? What are your thoughts on on how else we should how we should be playing uh, yeah, I, Dallas? So I had this. I had some of the, so. F- I don't know how to say words anymore. So a lot of times our defensive woes, and I think this time this most recent game against Colorado came down to individual errors. And sure. I think a lot of times it does. Yep. It's hard. No, I, I'm not like a like. We don't see what happens in practice. I don't. I, I don't. Some do. I don't. I don't see the drills they run. I don't see uh, uh, what they're trying to do. Maybe they're switching up positions that you know. I, I don't know. But it's very hard to give a tactical approach to individuals who make individual mistakes. As you know, like I've I've seen bad teachers, for instance, who say like, don't don't make mistakes. You know, like what are you gonna say? Just don't do it. You know. So it's yeah. tough to say. So I don't, I don't have anything there, but that's one of the biggest opportunities. What I will say is that despite the fact that we played with Colin Martin out there against Colorado, I I still didn't feel like the position that he understood his position to be was as a skull-cracking cleanup number six. I think, I think that he wants to be a, a box-to-box midfielder. And when I think about the second goal that Colorado scored, where they were able to take the ball from the defensive midfielder from the defensive midfield on foot through into the attacking half make a single pass still directly up the gut that went unimpeded and unpressured and then make one clean pass to a to where there was plenty of space between a, a center back and a fullback that's the kind of thing where defensive midfielder can come in handy where uh, Brent Coleman who made the slip on that goal he's got a he's got to make a tough decision he's trying to play mostly centrally because he can't just try and block the guy's path because all they can just 
pass off to the side. Now he's got a good run. So he's got to find the right position for himself. But guess what? He wouldn't have to put as much pressure on himself to do that if that midfielder is being harried by uh, uh, a number six who's fucking putting shoulders against him and stuff. It makes it a very hard pass to do. So yeah. I want not only to see Colin Warner or Maximiano, a genuine number six, playing in a genuine number six role. I want to see them getting physical. I want to see them not getting forward often and I want to see to create a little bit more of the flow between the back to the front for us than the wingers coming in more centrally so that players are more closely aligned with each other. It's shorter passes. Uh, you can do a little bit more tiki-taka shit with that. Um, and, and you almost have to if you're going to have your defensive midfielder playing more deeply. The other, th the other big question tactically is who do you replace Miguel Ibarra with? I'm going to go with a different vote here. You probably know what I'm going to say. I'm not... It's look. I don't want my epitaph Pan to Gop. say the fucking guy's name, okay? But <laughs> I think I think Pangop looked good in relief. Uh, that's a fucking baseball term uh, against Houston. I thought. I mean, it was a game state situation. I but so I, I to be I, I will be fair. I only watched. So I was in Iceland during that game. I watched yeah. the first half, and I was like, I watched the first half. I was like, oh, fuck this shit. I'm going to bed. And I woke up the next morning. I was like, oh, it's a good idea to go to bed. Because <laughs> this is that. Like, by the time I went to bed, it was. It was like three. It was like two, two thirty Iceland time. So right, I was just and like, it's, eh. and it's totally fair. Uh, my opinion is that he, he looked very sharp against Houston. He hasn't always looked sharp this year, but I would be really interested in seeing what does he look like starting. What does he look like getting sixty minutes out there, finding his feet in a game? He has the ability, I think, to do some of the things that Ibarra can do. He's got a motor. Uh, if nothing else, the dude has a motor. He can be creative on the ball, maybe even more so than Ibarra. Now, I don't think he's as smart as Ibarra. I don't think he's as likely to make a great pass as Ibarra. Um, but I do think he can roam. He's better wandering. And I think that he's got a hell of a motor and he can pull people out of position. Those are two things Ibarra can be very important for. So sure. I would love to see it. And if it's a failed experiment, then you can fucking kill me. Okay, whatever. But, like... Again, I'm not trying to say that he's uh, an EPL winger, but is, is he the lesser of many evils? Do you really love Alexi Gomez that much? Do you really love Colin Martin playing on the wing, a place where I've seen him play half of one game ever? Give yeah, Pangop a run out. I don't know. I mean, the, 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 the problem I see is, is, is Adrian Heath. It's like I, I have this analogy in my head. It's like Adrian Heath is uh, Lucy... And Minnesota fans are Charlie Brown, and we keep running up to kick the football. I thought you were going to say we were Ricardo. No. <laughs> we are Charlie Brown. We keep running up saying, thinking he's going to, oh, you know, Heath is going to do something good and, and keep the football there, and we're going to kick it. And then we, we keep missing the football and well, landing our asses. And, and we de so we deserve what we get. I mean, I, I would just say I'm curious to say. That's the worst Charlie Brown take ever <laughs> is that he deserves what he gets. <laughs> I mean, if you keep doing the same fucking thing again and again yeah, and again and yeah. again, yeah, you deserve what you get. If we yeah. keep we keep having faith in Adrian right. Heath that he's going to make the right move, that he's going to put wow. the Maximiano or Colin Warner in that sixth role and and and, and trust them to to do that job, um, you know, and and that they can that they can do the job. Um, I don't know. I mean, I it'd be interesting. I'm not sure exactly how far away T.S. owner Miller are from getting back in the starting 11. That would be immensely helpful. Two solid fullbacks um, would be great. You know, it would be Call, uh, Carter Manley, not quite ready for prime. Yeah. Time yet, and, in my and opinion. you know, honestly, you know, um, Mears has lost. Step, is, you know. is not either. And Tyro Mears is clearly like, has doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I think Tyro Mears is a competent defender, but, yeah. but if he's chasing anybody, you're, you're kind of fucked. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, 
you know, I feel I can like at we least need to advocate do... for it. I'm not saying I think Heath will do that. This is just me sure. pitching the thing I would do sure. if I, I mean, got paid. If countless I'm, money. yeah, I. But I'm guessing just based on you know everything that's happened is that Heath is going to go with someone like Colin Martin on the wing or Alexi Gomez. Um, you know, Ibsen and Schuler probably back in the midfield, and that could be fucking devastating for Minnesota. Yeah. So might this might not be a uh, great game. Um, how do you have? This match ending up. Let's let's jump to that. Unless yeah, you have any other any other thoughts on the how we like to feel line so up bad against for them. This. I've got FC Dallas winning three to one. This is a home game for us. Pride night is going to become shame night. I mean, it's going to be a fun party in the stadium. So we'll make it come fun. come with that come with that mindset. Yep. It's going to be a, it's going to be a fun party. Um, I have FC Dallas winning two to one. So not much better. This game is going to be fucking gay. <laughs> that's, that's my thought. All right. We're backing out of that. Let's talk yeah. uh, very quickly, and you've gotten to see it from a different vantage than sure. I have. Quick thoughts on World Cup fever. Have you contracted World Cup fever? Is there you a know, cure? There, um, uh, there is a cure. It's watching Panama play. Can I can I really quickly throw something out there? Sure. Back back during the Concacaf Champions League, uh, the the big hashtag that MLS was trying to push was CCL fever, and I. I I tweeted. This is still an offensive loons fan tweet, <laughs> by the way. I tweeted how, like, uh, I'm really, really devastated to announce that after a, a, a long struggle over his short life, my son Benjamin has finally succumbed <laughs> to CCL fever. And everybody who was reading it had to read through that first fucking you know paragraph <laughs> to get to the point where I was just bullshitting. I think it was Bruce who was like, "God in heaven, I thought your fucking kid died." <laughs> so, Oh yeah, no. I mean, I do not have World Cup. Fever. I haven't. I think unfortunately, like this is like the first World Cup in a long time where I, like, I, I, would, I had time off and I was traveling, but I, you know, we were in gorgeous Iceland, like taking in like these amazing views. Yeah. Why and stare at a glowing rectangle yeah. while you're in? And it was, and, and that's that was the weird thing is that the games were like normal times. That's like, a good point. Yeah. Like like with Brazil last year, where it's like, oh, you have a game at like you know noon and three and six. Like, oh, cool. I can, but like we're out I'm traveling. Awake. Yeah, we're out traveling and all that. So, like, I didn't get a chance really to watch too many games uh, in Iceland. Um, and, again, yeah, we basically went straight to Colorado. And so I didn't really get a ton of chance to watch, you know, a bunch of games in Colorado either. So I haven't really seen a ton of the World Cup. I've, you know, been trying to catch up on my podcast and all that. Um, my take on the World Cup largely has been that it's very much like the NCAA tournament because at, f- at first – there's always like some upsets, yeah. And there's always like that hope that like, oh, the little piddly fucking third world country's gonna do it, you know, the mid majors gonna, and then like by the end of it, everything sorts itself out. Yeah. And it's shit again. So that that's where I'm at right now. It's the last. It's the last round in the group stage. Yeah. And things are starting to kind of sort out the way that they should have yeah. more or less. I was not, really, not exclusively. I was really disappointed that Iceland like didn't make it through. Just Iceland lost. Yeah. Nigeria lost. Today, I was. Uh, so. Yes, I was in. Iceland, so we watched the first game against Argentina, and like basically that draw was basically like Iceland winning the fucking World Cup. Like the, there was, you know, we I was yeah. so we were in this movie theater that serves booze, and they had all the screens were playing the match um, instead of like, they, and I think they won like small screen that had um, like they were showing like short 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 animated films for the kids who didn't want to watch the soccer mm-hmm. soccer match, and then uh, but I was really fun fact about uh, Iceland is that. Of the TVs that were on during the Iceland-Argentina match, 99.6% of the TVs were watching the actual soccer match. 
in Iceland. That's amazing. Yeah, like you'll so like never get that all, in, all in the All twenty US. TVs were like yeah, all the, yeah, the twenty nineteen of the twenty TVs <laughs> in Iceland. It, it, we're on, uh, we're on the Iceland-Argentina match. It so. was actually really interesting um, because I felt that way around here. Like, even at, like at Wells Fargo, like, all the break room TVs are turned there and, like, the bar downstairs is turned there. And people are standing around and talking about it, people who otherwise wouldn't care and stuff. Which is great. I mean, that it's means amazing. people are like, oh, the U.S. isn't in the World Cup. It's really going to hurt ratings. It's, like, it's not really hurting ratings. Actually, like, Telemundo is doing better ratings than Fox for – I was reading something today, like, Telemundo's ratings – Right. Are like out. It's because of all the people who are watching Fox who are just like anything else. Anything yeah, else. Oh, here not we go. Alexi Lawless. Uh, anything but Alexi Lawless. So uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's my sort of thoughts on the World Cup. I'm and we, like my fucking work. I'm back. You know, for this last week of uh, the the you know final group stage matches, and of course I have meetings scheduled every day yeah. at nine and at one. <laughs> so I'm just like oh, I can't even watch that. any of the. Yeah, I couldn't watch any of the matches today. So, but uh, You're getting once, old like me. Yeah, but once the. Uh, once the uh, next round kicks off, like for next week, I'm gonna I, I literally have blocked out the times for when the matches are. I'm like I have a private meeting during this yep. time. Very private meeting, lasts yep. exactly two hours. Yep, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go into this office. I'm gonna watch watch this match. Maybe do a little bit of work, but mostly watch this match. I've got so. the kind of PTO that you take at work, you know. So that's so yeah. I guess those are our World Cup thoughts. Yeah, here. yeah. So it's been a it's actually you know from everything I've read and stuff, it's been a really fun, interesting tournament. Like lots of goals. Like tons of goals from set pieces, which is something that like has been kind of bonkers. So, I, most so. uh, for me, it's been the uh, that I think today we had the first like scoreless game of the entire tournament. Yeah, how cool is that? Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Considering especially for like one of the most common complaints and the most obvious lazy jokes for people is like, oh, did you enjoy that zero zero draw? Especially when you consider like the South Africa tournament, like how many zero zero yeah, draws were in sucked, that one? Yeah. Like, I mean, even Russia last year, but Russia I think had a little more scoring. But like that South Africa tournament twenty ten, there was I think I want to say there was like. I want to say, like, maybe even like a, a third or even more than a third of the games uh, in the first, like, the first round of group phase, like, group phase were all zero zero because everybody's just kind of feeling each other out. I think this year, I mean, there's like the probably the, you know, the five teams or so that probably have a legitimate chance of winning, but there's a bunch of teams that were like, you know what, we make a fucking run. Like Mexico is a great example of that. Like Mexico, like, went for it mm-hmm. in a very interesting and in a, a non-traditional way, and you know they have a decent shot at making the fucking semifinals this year good. and i'm They've gonna laugh good. my ass off when they lose tomorrow and they get knocked out in the uh in the group stage after two wins <laughs> but you know if if they if they win that group they have a not you know them or it's gonna be probably them or england in the semifinals a good path yeah so um so yeah it's been interesting and i'm excited to watch the next round uh hopefully the games are as fun and exciting as yeah. these games have been and they don't like bunker in and like yeah. try to play to zero zero draws and you know, win one nothing in extra time or whatever. Yeah, there's always like some gamesmanship that goes on at yeah. the the last round as people position. So, anyways, let's move on to picks or it didn't happen. Sure. Uh, we're gonna leap right into this week's picks. Okay, I'm gonna call them. I want you to tell me what you got. All yep. right. We already called Minnesota and shit. I didn't make my picks. <laughs> I'm gonna make them on the fly. There you go. Again, you guys are getting a look at a look a listen at the sausage being made. I'm usually very astute on my notes. I'm calling these shits on the fly. All right, tell me. Minnesota and Dallas. You've already called this yep. one. Would you I have, have a two-one Dallas win. You had a three-one, right? I, th- I was able to at least to remember that one. A three-to-one <laughs> Dallas win at home uh, at our home. Uh, Seattle hosting Portland. This is a fun one. Seattle's I mean, bad this year. They're bad. It's a fun th- thing. Yes, I, I think Portland it won't go- be a good game. I think Portland. Actually, I think Portland goes in there and wins this one three-to-one. 
I've got to give the edge to Portland, probably just on two to one though, just because Seattle's at home. But, That's fair. Uh, Seattle's so bad, man. Yeah. Uh, below us on the standings still, I believe. Yes, they are. God. As a matter of fact, it is poor. Atlanta is going to host Orlando. I think this one is no more Jason Kreiss. Um, I don't think they get a manager Jason bounce. And Jason Kreiss. I think Atlanta wins four to one. I've got Atlanta like six to one. That's fair. Like seriously, the Orlando's defense is so bad. It yeah. doesn't make any sense though, because we talk so much about. I don't want to go too far into the rabbit hole of each of these games. Sasha Kleschen and Justin Miram and uh, I mean they started the game. I'm not going to go there. Okay, there were <laughs> their front six looked as good as any in the league yeah. coming into the season. And we were talking them up as like they had a shot at, at competing for the Eastern Conference Championship. <sighs> and yeah, we were not right. It's because they're from Orlando. Yeah, uh, Montreal is going to host Sporting Kansas City. This should be a hot bloodbath. Yeah, three nothing to Sporks. Because Montreal's at home, I'm going to give them a. Th- I'm going to give Sporting a 3-2 to two win. <laughs> okay. but And Montreal doesn't have a piss-poor offense. But, That's fair. Uh, Columbus going to host Real Salt Lake. I have a 3-1 victory for the crew. I wish that I, I'm i calling the same shit as you here. But okay. Columbus is a good team this year, yes, top to bottom. They need a little bit more production from the wings. RSL is uh, good, but going coming across the country is not not easy. And yeah. They, that's the one who's gone across RSL's multiple time zones. RSL a little bit of an identity kind of moment. They are. Right yeah, now. they are. They're not quite They're not so, quite sure what they want to do. So, and, uh, so I'll give Columbus 3-1. to one, Okay. Sure. Uh, New England and D.C. United. Speaking of a team that's probably good, New England – Four DC United too, because DC United four, can score man. goals. Um, they just can't defend at all, but they can score goals. So I got a four-two. Uh, I think DC United goes up two nothing, and they ultimately lose four to two. I'll give you two to nothing because I think United is piss poor. Okay, worst team in the league, poor. Well, DC United put three on Toronto uh, a couple weeks ago. Toronto's kind of poor actually too, <laughs> and they managed to lose honest. that match. So uh, yeah, right, exactly. Um, Chicago is gonna host NYCFC. I don't know what to make Chicago. They're I not good. They're I not good. either. Yeah. But there's enough there that any game seems like it's winnable. Especially but against New York City. Especially in Bridgeview, I feel like they they bunker. I think it's a one-one draw. What's but yeah? They're they're not good. I, what's I, closer to Chicago, Bridgeview or Minneapolis? Bridgeview, but barely. Barely. Yeah. Barely. Oh, we make the same joke every time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, if I've got to call a draw this week, I'm going to give him a draw because I think Chicago's coming into a better form. New York City's got a new coach right now, and I think that although, mm-hmm. of course, they you know they, they came out really hot this last week, I, I think there's still going to be some some uh, of a learning curve and an identity move there. So um, now their new coach has a really great pedigree, by the way. He's a fucking assistant coach for Barca from like 08 to 12. That, so was right, a, that was a fine era right to during be the involved. Pep Guardiola years. Yeah, so <laughs> like it's not like he's a bad coach, but I think there's yeah. gonna be some adjustment there. Anyways, I'll Fair give enough. that one a draw, maybe two to two. Okay. Uh, Los Angeles FC is hosting uh, Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. Um, I think this is a high-scoring game too. I think LAFC wins three to two. I give you four to two. Philly's okay. not a bad team this year, but LA is still good. Yeah. Uh, and LA's, LAFC has not lost at home at all. That's true. Uh, San Jose, which is awful. Is going to host LA Galaxy, which eh, they're a little bit better than they were last year. Yeah, I think still, no- still kind of bad. Two nothing to the Galaxy. San Jose is just a really bad team, and again, the fact that we uh, allowed them to win, beat us twice is just. We look back at this. We look back at this season. We're probably going to miss the playoffs by nine points. And you look at these. And those, three those games. yeah, those two San Jose and this Colorado game are going to be the absolute Haunting. killer for this team. And they're gonna say, and they're gonna say at the you know supporter summit at the, at the end of the year, 
but for those three games, they're we gonna were, say that we were shit, a playoff they, team. Yeah. Hey, you know what? You you alter history and you erase those times when we were bad and we were yeah. very good. Yeah. Fucking patronizing stuff. <laughs> um, doesn't he realize that every single fan has their own podcast? I don't think <laughs> you can't pass one over. Us. Yeah, especially Minnesota United. <laughs> <laughs> we're all the head of our own supporters group and podcast. Uh, who, do have, who do you have winning that one? I'll give you one to one. Okay. One one. Toronto is eh, going to host New York. Uh, uh, the Red Bull. The Bread Bulls. The Bread Bulls. I have, you know, the, I, I just, I think both Toronto and Seattle have just played too many games over the course of the last couple of years, and I think, uh, I think this is maybe the year that they both miss the playoffs. I, I got the Bread Bulls winning two to one in Toronto. I'm not going to say that the this really heavy um, Champions League, uh, he- I almost had headache, hangover was what I meant, was uh, not a thing. But can you imagine us saying that horseshit about Real? Or, like, somebody in UEFA Champions League, like, well, of course they're going to be totally piss poor top to bottom for an entire year. They played in the Champions League. Like, that... Well, I mean, I mean, honestly, the, the same... This this thing happens... I mean, this thing happens, I think, in soccer. Like, Real Madrid had a really kind of piss poor league season. They They did. finished third. They were, they were sitting in fourth for a long time. And, I mean, they have just played a shit ton of games over the course of the last three years well yeah including but they've still been competitive including the, the Copa del Rey years, despite winning the thing True. so but they, Seattle so and Toronto have, just now tapered off but Seattle and Toronto have Toronto's in it one time and now they're well I guess they're both in it no, twice they were both in it twice okay, um yeah. they both had you know uh Champions League runs I mean I don't know it's just I think there is a limit to the amount of games that you can play in a certain period of time before like you either need to bring in a a, a, a bunch of reinforcements to help mitigate that and I think um, Seattle actually has done a, a better job of that over the course of the last few years. Than t- Toronto's basically had the same lineup that they had for the last three years. They've got a lot of with injuries, like, you know, the, with the exception of like Steve, you know, Betashore going over to LAFC. Like they've not really changed that lineup a lot, and so it's the same players playing. And yes, like some familiarity, like you know, breeds a lot of things, but also breeds. I don't want to say contempt for the other players but it's like there's a staleness yeah i mean you, you know walk, like when you you're married at, yeah and you then look, like slowly and slowly you just don't even fucking care anymore and you wake up and you have the same toast every morning exactly and i mean it was eventually like, you just want to break the toast over their face <laughs> sure um a good example of this actually is the la kings who like won like two stanley cups in like three years like the fourth year they did they like they, they crashed out of the like they weren't even close to making the playoffs like they just they played so many games over the course of the previous three years that they just didn't have anything left in them and just didn't have any subs and and reinforcements and i think that is i think that's maybe what we're seeing with toronto and seattle now you know the season's long both these teams can easily retool during the uh, summer transfer window seattle plays in a dirty shitty west and, yeah seattle plays in a really terrible conference so I mean, but they're I worse than toronto much more likely so. to rebound in terms of like making the playoffs and you know we've always we've seen once you know once mls playoff starts it, it just it's kind of a shit show and yeah. and you know you just got to make the playoffs basically for you you'd have a shot um but honestly i think it's it's i think the number of games over the course of the last uh you know three three years basically have taken the tolls on both seattle and toronto so sorry to diverge there for a second no people are learning that's important vancouver is going to host colorado who do you got oh i think this is going to be embarrassing for minnesota and vancouver is going to win four to nothing vancouver all uh, this year and last year are the mirror image of colorado from 2016 I think it's going to be a game where the ball spends five minutes in the midfield for the entire game, and it's going to be a 1-1 game, and it's going to be the least pretty game that you will see all season. That's fair. Uh, I love Kai Kamara. Uh, <laughs> Houston Dynamo is going to host LAFC, and this is actually a Tuesday game next week, so we're dipping into the next week a little bit, but who you got? Sure. Um, I think Dynamo win 3-2 to two at home against LAFC. 
Dynamo are good at home. I'm going to give you two two draw just because I really like LAFC. Okay. And by like, I mean, I think they're good. They can go fuck themselves. Let's wrap it up with we got some fucking answers, all right? Uh, we don't have that many questions, but we got uh, Zoe Stardust. That's going to be um, Zoe Peterson, whose family is deeply uh, supportive of the Dark Clouds and involved in just about everything we do. So thank you. Yeah, for a relatively what you do. new, a, a new uh, convert to the Dark Cloud volunteerism, which we really, really appreciate. Hard. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you uh, do you think that we should reevaluate your stance? I think when she says yours, she means mine. Yours, yes. My uh, David Martin's stance on Senegal. I'm with Zeller on this one. That's uh, where the right Senegalese flag emoji, heart emoji. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 Senegal are fun, and I hope they enjoy their early flight home. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I don't know. Wait, what don't you know? What do you think's gonna happen? I think I think they're gonna beat Colombia. I think they're gonna win their group. And then what? And then they'll play one game in the knockouts and then they'll go home and do their dance at home. Uh, I don't necessarily believe that. The best case scenario, they make it out of the group stage. Sure. And then they dance at home after one game. <laughs> That's it. I mean. You don't think uh, Senegal could beat England? No. I think so. No. We're gonna have to agree to disagree. I think I think they can. So, all right, that's fine. What's it like to have like sometimes amiable, sometimes not amiable arguments with somebody who's always right? That's got to be kind of frustrating for you. I don't know. It must be frustrating for you as well. well so. I wouldn't know. Okay. What uh, we got? Goldfish fibers. That's gonna be Doreen Hartzell, Vuvuzela freestyle musical interludes. Is she suggesting we do that? I think so. So, um. Let me read a couple more questions. Go hard, I, hard pass on that I'll line. see if I can. Uh, <laughs> I'll see if I can get musically inspired here in a moment. Yeah. The super rookie, that's Tim, is going to be in town. He's in town, He's right, in town now. right now. He he lives down near Orlando, actually. Poor guy. Yeah. Uh, what time does this shit show start? I think he's referring to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, started an hour ago at uh, nine o'clock. Yeah, so. and I uh, Thanks, asking Tim. you, Tim, where the fuck you at? Come yeah, on. He's not here. Um, my Vuvuzela. Um, I'm not going to give you a Vuvuzela impression, but what I'm just basically going to say is, you remember that scene in Dumb and Dumber where they're both uh, like riding with that one random guy, and they're like, yeah, the most, the most annoying guy in the world. <laughs> and then they just never stop until he starts screaming. Yeah. That is my, I don't know, my dif- my, my uh, proxy uh, imagination of Vuvuzela. Okay. So, uh, Carl Arthur Bates, at Carl Arthur Bates. <laughs> Now that you've seen all the World Cup kits in action, what are your three faves? I'll go with the Peru kit, uh, the red Peru kit, the white Mexico kit, and the red Egypt kit. Uh, for me, it's going to be th- here, here are my three, okay? Yep. It's going to be the Nigeria kit. That hasn't changed. Yep. Uh, brilliant feather style. It reminds me of Oregon, uh, the college in their football jerseys a little bit. Um, it's going to be Croatia's checkers. I, I always love the red and white checkers. I don't know why I love it so much. And then actually the South Korean... Um, uh, training kit. These weird, like it's just gr- green, bright neon green and black, like all over top to bottom. Okay. Um, sort of. It's not quite chevrons, but it, I don't know. It's just uh, zigzaggy fucking uh, Charlie Brown things. Um, if I'm remembering correctly. Anyways, those were hot, but they don't actually wear them on the pitch. <laughs> uh, who, who do you have for kits here? Okay. I we're coming um, out of the blue. You know, I, I, I gotta agree. I mean, the Nigeria one is the sort of the easy easy one to say because everybody loves that one so um definitely you know go go with you there um i really like the iceland kit a lot i like the the blue and the red and the white and the way they've worked it together um 
Let's see. I'm just trying to just pull up the list of the kits. Actually, you know, not gonna lie, I really like the uh, the white Senegal kit. Um, I'm gonna show it to you. I'm gonna show it to you. White with the green with like the. It's fucking white. If you no, but look at the. Yeah, I see it as a stripe. No, look, look at the ins like on the inside. Oh, it's in got the gray. It, it's got this really cool design on the inside. Oh, is it like a ram? It's is like that a what yeah, ram or something. I don't know. I have yeah, the design element. Made by Puma. I like I like Puma kits, so I'm not gonna. I generally. Oh, here you can see a little you're bit. You're going. On, you're going on brand. You can see a little better on the green one. Okay, I. That's cool. I'll give you that. Okay. This is so fucking lame to listen yeah. to because so we're sitting here talking about things audio, we're looking at. Audio podcast. Okay, so uh, to those listeners, go check out the green variant of the Senegal kit. It's got a sort of, uh, I guess I'd call it a watermark of like sure, a yeah. or something. I know. It's pretty um, cool. This, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do the red the red uh, Peru kit with the white stripe is classic. Like, that's just a classic fucking kit. Sure, yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, uh, Peru generally does kits very, very, very well. So... So yeah, I don't know. That's uh, it's good. Really have, I mean, again, I haven't I haven't watched as much World Cup as I normally would during mm -hmm. the year, so I can't really say with any sort of authority. Um, although I do like the the other the other one I actually kind of really enjoy too is the uh, red Belgium kit um, with the sort I'll of I'll give you that the checkered pattern across the literally just across the straight chest there. Yeah, yeah. I like that one a lot I'll too. Give you that so. One. We got one more question from Robert the Red. Uh, give me a reason to give a shit about the World Cup when all the fun underdogs are gone. Um, and, and, and I can do that. One I've already talked about in this podcast, a whole bunch of people at my office just randomly standing around watching the games during the day talking about them. It's, it's a conversation starter and a moment where two things happen. What three things happen? First of all, you get them to contribute to our Patreon. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the biggest thing. <laughs> the, one of the one of the first big things that happens is yeah. um, it's it's a reprieve from the bullshit that we see in the news and on Twitter and stuff constantly, where you're seeing, uh, you know, people cheer for places like Iran that they would not typically think of to, to cheer for. It's it really is kind of a unifying thing, even yeah. as we're all adversaries. As fans, we're often more um, there's more camaraderie than there is adversarialness adversariosity adversity <laughs> adversity uh, so so I, I think that's a really cool moment two a lot of people have their um, first like their moment their soccer moment when it clicks for them and unfortunately the United States isn't playing because a lot of times it's tied to like a US performance sure. right yeah. but for some people they'll watch a game and they'll say that was fucking wild what's this all about do we have a team locally or you get and that's just like where it starts yeah so help make this atmosphere conducive to this by as someone who's already into it robert getting into it being able to talk to folks who want to talk about it being able to share the wisdom that you have as a fan without being one of these condescending uh, asshole fans you know yeah. I th facilitate that i think that that yeah. can be a cool moment and the last thing is diego maradona giving double birds from the and it's not just about having, and having a cocaine overdose. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's not just about Maradona though. The point is that it's just a fun, wild, any stupid thing is going to and will happen. Yeah, kind of tournament. And, and I guess the other, I mean, the other thing too is like, what do you mean by underdogs? Right? Is is are we talking like is England an underdog? Is England an underdog? Is Belgium an underdog? Is Mexico an underdog? Like, like, England There's has won good World teams Cup to root since, for. Yeah, nineteen sixties. Yeah. Belgium has never one, yeah. won the World Cup. Mexico yep. has never won the World Cup. Like. I think you're gonna. This is actually like we've seen some parody, um, and just it's soccer. So you know that anybody can beat anybody in this mm -hmm. game. It's it's you don't show up for 90 minutes and you're out of the tournament. Mm -hmm. You know, especially in the knockout round. Mm -hmm. So you could see Mexico make a run. I mean, I really hope they don't. Just a lot of personal reasons, but 
that'd be fun to watch Mexico make a run and watch like this country go gaga for Mexico. We even talked yeah. about Landon Donovan, Wells Fargo. <laughs> As a Wells Fargo employee. Oh shit. I just said, it. I don't know if I've ever just said that I work for Wells Fargo. Um, I think it's been inferred, um, <laughs> but anyways, I, I am forced to root for Mexico. But yeah, it's, it's in my it's fucking part of your, contract. It's part of your contract. Yeah. 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 That, that big fancy promotion you got, you had yeah, to, yeah, I have to, had to sign your life away now, to yeah. L tree. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, so yeah, so I mean, you know, I guess consider for you know Robert. When are the underdogs gone? Is is I mean I don't think anybody who has not won a World Cup could be considered anything other than an underdog, right? So you know Belgium has their greatest generation and has these amazing players, but I would consider them an underdog an until they them, until yeah. they win the fucking tournament, right? That's good. You know, I actually consider Netherlands the same thing. If Netherlands had qualified, they're, they're an underdog until they win the fucking tournament, even though they're one of the most decorated, you know, and and most prolific soccer nations in the in the world. Um, until you win the actual fucking tournament. Until you're one of those like six teams that's done it, and you're an underdog. Six so. teams that's well, it's like Brazil, England, I know, it's Argentina, Germany, uh, Uruguay has Italy, under Uruguay, spell, France. There's like seven teams. There's, there's only seven teams that have won the. It's. I think there are a few more than that, but it's it's not many. You're right. It's a small handful. So, yeah, it's a very small handful, yeah. and so, anyways, um, and it, I I totally agree with you too. Like. It's a reason to like go to the bar and hang out and chat with people and just get to know other people and uh, you know and then yeah again like you talk about what we have here locally mm-hmm. like we have some like world class players that play be a brand ambassador be Robert be, sell those t- season tickets for yeah. Minnesota United um, or you know VSLT or Minneapolis City or the my Fire ladies, 98 my or, yeah look at they have one um, loss this year <clears> speaking of the last home uh, match of the Fire 98 is on July 7th and I'm actually having a housewarming party if you want to come to that um, hit me up on Twitter's uh, and oh, I'll give and you an invite move over to the game yeah well like we'll, we'll housewarming party's like three to seven and then we're gonna I was thinking about maybe doing a, a march to the match from my place that would make them so happy and drink a bunch yeah yeah because <laughs> we can a drunken it's, it's, march to the match it's only about second tier women's soccer game yeah it's would about make a lot of people it's happy. about 0.8 miles from my house yeah, very to, walkable, the, to yeah. the fire 98 stadium yeah and i'm sure i'm gonna have a bunch of a bunch of booze so yeah <laughs> hit me up uh, on twitter you can find me at texas l or you can find uh martin at regular david yeah. um not offensive loons anymore regular david although he does the offensive loons Shut does up. come out occasionally. Uh, you can email us questions at thedaysiknowmn at gmail.com. Um, we do have a website, davesiknow.com. We occasionally post some shit there. Um, otherwise, you can tweet at us at TDIKMN. Hit hit us up there or hit me up at Texas Zeller if you want an invite to my housewarming party in a couple weeks. I'll uh, invite you if you're a, a, you know, a listener. Better if you're a Patreon subscriber. So if you've been thinking about whether you want to give some money to the Patreon, like now would be a good chance to get that invite secured by donating your 420 or... Or 369, uh, you know, amount to the uh, to the Patreon, which is at uh, the Dave's I know, or sorry, Patreon.com backslash the Dave's I know. So, I think that's all from me. All right, uh, all right. You got um, Pot app, Pot app. Yes, yeah. Uh, Weed maps or I, Leafly? No, I strain, I strain. Just you know, I just the letter yeah. I. What I about strain. high high strain? Well, no, I like to I strain because it's like you know the iPod, iPad, all that yeah. kind of shit. But it also plays off of the fucking visual. Yeah, it's a pun. But high strain means because you, you, you get high. Yeah, but it's not a pun. Then. Get high. I, I don't. <laughs> Anyways, we are the Daves. You know, this has been the Daves. I know.
I think, son. Long as you do yours, land here, become fecund. Yeah, uh, we, we yeah. do our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all can't nothing at all. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all.